Welcome to a special edition of Music and Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Moshe Lewis. I am delighted, ecstatic, and, and honored to be joined by Pastor Alvin Love. Um, the work that he has done in the ministry, but also in drawing couples together and helping them stay together um, has really touched me and was one of the main reasons I wanted to have the opportunity to speak to him uh, today. And um, I'm so happy and appreciative uh, that you were willing to give us some time this evening. Thank you. Absolutely. Glad to be here. Sure. One of the things we'd love to do is kind of just look back a little bit through time, maybe go to a small city in Detroit, uh, a young Mr. Love growing up and and understand some of the, the inspirations and, and some of the, the people, places and things that sort of helped uh, maybe shape not only your, your career, but your, your love of the Lord and, and ultimately your, your uh, decision um, to, to go into uh, ministry ultimately. Well, I mean, like you said before, I was raised in Detroit, Michigan, um, went to uh, high school there and uh, had some couple years of college there at uh, Western Michigan and uh, ended up joining the service and, you know, I did six years in the Navy and, you know, my life has been really interesting because it's, it's, it's gone in ways and directions that I never had planned, okay? Right. Um, when, you know, I got saved when I was, uh, let's say, 82. Got married in '84 to, as you know, CC Winans, and and my life has never been the same after that. You know, <laughs> God has has us both on a journey that's been pretty exciting. And 10 years ago, we started a church, 2012. Um, that's been uh, really the most exciting chapter in my life because it's a it's a spiritual life, it's a spiritual journey. And it had nothing to do with my qualifications. It had nothing to do with my gifts, but it was all about grace. You know what I'm saying? And, um, you know, it's interesting when God calls you to a ministry. Well, when he calls you, period, you know, he knows what he wants to do. He just needs for you to say, yes, Lord, you know, <laughs> he just needs a yes. And that yes has taken me places and, and introduced the people and seeing lives change that I never would have seen change if I hadn't accepted the call. So yeah. I'm here today. Uh, my son is now my pastor. I'm, I'm the founding pastor. Uh, yeah. I turned over the ministry to him uh, last January. It's been a yeah. year. Yeah. And he's doing a fabulous job. I'm so proud of him. Yeah. And uh, the church is really growing. Um, you know, it's, it's a young church, but we're starting to get some older members. But if we started off with a bunch of millennials, Right. Yeah. Um, now to see the church grow and it's very diverse. Um, so we're pretty excited about what God is doing. We moved into our new location um, in December. Nice. Um, and so uh, we're still doing some final touches to that building. But uh, we should have a we had a soft launch in December, but we should have a, a major launch uh, probably in May, April, May. So we're close. But anyway, it's, it's exciting to be here with you, Dr. Lewis. No, absolutely. I want to tease that out a little bit because obviously um, Detroit has um, so much musical history coming to it. But um, what do you think or who do you think were some of those early inspirational people or factors mm. that were kind of maybe planting seeds when you may not have even fully realized that they yeah. were going to germinate the way they did? Well, you know, I grew up in the 60s, 70s, and of course, you know, Motown in Detroit was it, you know. 
Right. And so, of course, I had a lot of my favorites, you know, The Temptations, uh, uh, Marvin Gaye, uh, anybody, Stevie Wonder, anybody who was part of that that era, that musical era, you know, was, you know, even when it left Motown, it became the, Philly, the Philadelphia sound and, you know, Stax and Memphis, you know, you know uh, Al Green and people like that. All those were inspirations to me, not so much that I'm an artist, but just because I love music and um, never thought that I would be married into a musical family right. because uh, even though I played a little bit of trumpet in high school, um, but I never had any aspirations to to continue it as a career, you know. So really, uh, music was always part of our home. You know, we, we listened to music in our home. My, uh, my brother, he was, a, he, he was a music major, uh, got his master's degree in music. He taught music in, in the public schools in Detroit. Okay. And now he has a band that plays around the city of Detroit called The Love Machine. Ah, love it. Uh, yeah, he's, he's pretty popular. He's, uh, he's been doing it for quite a, quite a long time, you know. And um, he played with Smokey Robinson at one time in the Miracles. So music was kind of in our home. My dad played the horn. Right. Uh, he got my brother and I playing the horn when we were young. Um, my, my brother just kept playing. I just gave it up, you know. <laughs> But um, yeah, that's how we started off, just music, just listening to music, never singing, but just playing and enjoying it. Sure. And then you have this chance meeting with one of the Winans. How did that sort of unfold? Well, it's interesting because when I got saved in 84, mm -hmm. first person who took me under his wing was uh, Ronald Winans. Mm -hmm. And Ronald was, uh, became, he and I came very close and I had met a lot of the family, but I had not met B.B. and Cece. Mm -hmm. uh, they were in Charlotte at uh, PTL. Mm -hmm. And so Ronald would tell me a lot about his other other siblings. I said, well, how many? He said, I, I met most of you guys. He said, he said well, he got, we got two more. And so um, I finally met Cece. Um, it was probably about 83, no, 82, 83, something like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, we met in a bowling alley in Detroit. The young right. people went bowling in the church, and I went along. And that's when I first met her. And then about two or three months after that, Ronald and the Winans were singing at PTL right. uh, in Charlotte. And he asked me to go with them. And so I said, sure. So I went with them to Charlotte. And that's when we had a chance to meet her again. And mm -hmm. we went out and had some fun and so forth. So things just kind of evolved from that. But, but he was the... He was the one who led me to to CC, and um, within a year of meet, meeting her, we were married in '84. Right. <laughs> yeah. Did you sense that he was one of those people that sort of came into your life because many people get saved, but really sort of getting someone who mentors and ushers and supports them through the early years and even pre-ministry is yeah. something that not everybody. Um, notices or partakes of. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's one of the, the visions of our church, uh, not only to win souls, but to make disciples. Mm -hmm. uh, I know personally how important it is to have discipleship. You know, when I got saved, uh, Ronald really took me under his wing. He, he was so concerned about me that whenever he went out to sing with his brothers, he would call me from the road and ask me, did you go to Bible study today? You know, if you did, you know, what did you learn? You know, he was always concerned about my spiritual growth. And that's something that we miss today in churches, I believe, for the most part. I think people come to church, they get saved, 
but they don't have that uh, that personal uh, disciple person who walks with them and, and, and spends time with them, answers the questions. And so I think it's very important. That's why, like I said before, at our church, we believe, we believe strongly in discipleship. And uh, when you join National Life, one of the things we instill in all of our members to be a part of a life group. Yeah. Um, and this is where you grow, this is where you connect, and this is where you're protected. Because when you're, in, it's like anything, when you're in a group, it's always protection. We know that in the animal kingdom, when, when yeah. an animal strays away from the group, he's attacked easily. So right. we tell people, get into a group where you have protection, where you have growth, and where you have uh, just that community that people need. So Ronald was my community. And of course, being with Ronald, of course, you're with his brothers because they were very close. So I had a chance to spend a lot of time with the Winans. Uh, I was close to mom and pop Winans, um, mm -hmm. still very close to the family, of course. Um, but he was instrumental in me staying rooted and grounded at the church. Um, and so, yeah, so discipleship is absolutely necessary for any person who uh, accepts Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Absolutely. You yeah. dropped a piece of history that I did not uh, miss having worked with veterans uh, since the 90s, 94 to be exact. Um, tell us about that experience, because so many times, especially today, um, this is not an easy transition to make. It's actually what I spend a good part of my career working with vets um, on, which is that transition back to civilian life. It can be more than rocky uh, to be polite and sort of how you were able to do that and somewhat find your way. You may feel like it was already laid out, but for most of my vets, it isn't. Um, talk to us a little about that period. Uh, well, yeah, when I got discharged in 74, um, I had trained as electronic technician in the service. Um, that took me to be able to get a job really pretty quickly after I left uh, with Xerox Corporation. I was a, a service technician with Xerox, and, and um, I was there from 76 until 95 when my wife decided she wanted me to go out on the road with her when she went solo. When BB and CC went solo, uh, her first solo project was in 95, Alone in His Presence. And she asked me, what? she almost like pulled me away. But she said, I want you to come out on the road with me. And I'm like, to do what? I can't sing, I don't play an instrument. But she said, I just needed you there as my covering. And I see now how important that is. Because see, before, you know, BB was her covering on the road. But when she went solo, uh, she asked me to come out there with her. So um, that's when I left Xerox after 19 years. And um, and but the transition from the service to civilian life, it wasn't that difficult because I wasn't like in a combat zone or I didn't have any situation where it was any trauma. Um, I was uh, I was stationed over in Japan. I was stationed in the Philippines, so I didn't go on a ship even though I was in the Navy. Right. And uh, so when I got discharged, I went, you know, applied for a job at Xerox and got hired in only because of the skill level that I had obtained when I was right. in the service. So uh, really, so I, that prepared me for my job uh, with Xerox. Right. So like you said, a very interesting and um, 
and different type of a path and take us sort of through that transition into the ministry. Because like you said, we were uh, in the military and then now with a Fortune 500 company uh, at the time and then uh, household name for sure, even still to this day. And then ultimately uh, transitioning from there to sort of being on the road and, and taking on managerial responsibilities. Um, how did the how did the ministry evolve, and how did your walk with the Lord become even deeper? Uh, well, like I said before, I, well, actually, I got saved through uh, a young lady at one of my accounts that I was going to. I was preparing her machine, and she wanted me to uh, purchase a ticket to her church banquet. And so I said, sure. So I went to the church banquet, and at the banquet, I was able to be introduced to her pastor, um, who, of course, um, inspired my life, led me to the Lord, and it just so happened to be the same church that DeWine has went to, and that's how I ended up meeting Ronald. Mm -hmm. So it was through my job at Xerox that I ended up meeting the pastor of the church who led me to DeWine's family. And so that, that was the transition that brought me uh, into the ministry. Uh, of course, I wasn't in the ministry. I was just Saved, sure, right. was, you know, but that part happened later on. I mean, that was like from that point until 2012. Um, that a lot happened in that period that led me to, and I don't know how much time you had for me to really explain to people how I was able to go from Xerox to be a pastor. Now, I can true, I can do really quickly and tell you. What happened is, is that when I was on the road with Cece in 95, right. she asked me, she said, because I was always been very shy. I was always in the background, never wanted to speak into a group. Yeah. And so she said, I want you to start praying for the group before we go out on stage. Yeah. And I said, really? I said, you mean like pray out loud? She said, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I, you know, so anyway, so we would all come together. And at first my prayers were like really quick, you know. <laughs> but then she started encouraging me. She said, you know, you got to come on, you know. And so I started praying more and praying more. It became easier. And then yeah. after that, she said, well, I want you to do a devotion before we go out. You know, I said, uh, man, like bring a message? She said, yeah. So I end up doing that. I end up preparing a message, like a five, ten minute message before we went out. Mm -hmm. And um, that became to a point where I was asked to do a Bible study at Belmont University in Nashville. Mm -hmm. And so we did that for two years. And that led into my son bringing some of his friends to our house uh, for like a Bible study that led into us accepting Jesus. I mean, accepting the call, I should say, right. the pastor. So you can see the transition that I was going through. And God was actually preparing me. Yes. When I look back now, I didn't see it then. Sure. When I look back, I can see how God was taking me from praying to doing a devotion to doing right. a Bible study the pastor of the church because if he had it taken me from 95 to be a pastor yeah. it wouldn't happen. <laughs> you know what I'm saying but God knows how to bring us along he knows how to prepare us for for the call that's on our lives and it's pretty incredible when you look back you don't see it at the time but when you look back and start looking at the steps that God takes you through then you can really see that his he had his hand on our life and it's incredible to know that if he did that where else can he take me? You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Well, this is one of the key 
Yeah, we wanted to be able to talk to you because I think that many times one may presume that it's just an initial divine calling, which it may be for some people at a very young age. They may be touched, yeah. you know, like uh, Jesus and have started off in the church very, very young and it just became a very natural progression and they went to divinity school and so forth. Right, right. Um, but for others, as you explained, it can be a little bit more circuitous and yet still ultimately achieve the same level. I wanted to do that same uh, walkthrough with respect to the emphasis you place on relationships, because that was the other reason we wanted to talk to you. The show is called Music and Medicine. Mm -hmm. And um, to me, that's something that can never be too strong. And I remember pointing out to you that I was really struck in by your statement that essentially it took about 10 years of marriage really for us to kind of you know, get our footing, know each other, figure it all out, or begin to think we were figuring it out. Talk to us a little bit about sort of what that that milestone and just what uh, relationships in general mean to you and, and how you emphasize them in the church. Um, well, first of all, you know, Cece and I, we're going on 38 years in in June. Um, so we've had, we've had a great, a great uh, marriage, I can tell you. Um, but I really believe that God has used our marriage to to be a, a segment in our church. Like I said before, when we started our church, there was nobody married. It was all young people in their 20s. And now to see how many married couples we have in our church, I must have married roughly 20, 25 people in the 10 years. And it, it, it's, it's exciting because young people come together and you know they're all excited and you know, they want to get married but we take them through a premarital course mm -hmm. and we find out that that is so necessary because there's so much that they thought they knew and they think they know until they actually go through this course and we get a chance to really kind of dig deep yes. um, couples when they're dating a lot of times there's certain subjects they really don't want to talk about they don't want to talk about conflict they don't want to, yeah. want to talk about finances they don't want to talk about the communication gap between men and women, how, how different we are, you know? And so a lot of times they don't discover these things until after they say, I do. Right. Well, this way we get a chance to discuss these things uh, before they say, I do. And I'm finding out that it's made a major difference in mm -hmm. the couples at our church. Uh, every one of them is doing well. We haven't had that one couple who we uh, discipled in premarital that have gotten divorced. So they're all doing well. They're having babies now because it's been 10 years. Right. The first couple we married was, um, we started a church in 2012. I think the first one was in 2014, I believe it was. Right. And now they have two kids, you know. Um, it's interesting because the doctor said that they could not have kids. Mm. Uh, because of prayer and fasting, they, they, they have two kids now. So, um, yeah, I think I think the couples in our church is one of the key areas that my wife and I, even though we're the founding pastors now, that's one of the things we still do. I still do premarital counseling. Uh, yes. Matter of fact, we just have a we have a marriage group. We have twenty five couples in our marriage group that we meet every wow. Wednesday. Yeah, and so that's been good. And um, yeah, it's good to bring them together because we got couples all the way from one has been married for three months to one that's been married for forty years. And we have all in between. So it's great to bring couples together and talk about different aspects of, of marriage to hear 
the young person, the young couple's perspective, opposed to the ones who've been married 20, 30, 40 years. So it's it's a good mixture. We have a great time. Yeah. No, absolutely. For someone who might be listening, who has, for various reasons, kind of strayed away or feels the church can't work for them or that this isn't really um, a time and a place where they're ready to um, be involved. What's that, what's that message that you feel um, they need to hear and understand about the, the Lord's love and the power of not only family, but love and forgiveness? Incredible, incredible. I don't, I don't think anybody who really knew God would ever say that. Uh, God, if you read the Bible, you know that he takes, he takes the ones that people re reject. And those are the ones he uses. Uh, if you know in the Bible, he, even with the disciples, those were fishermen. They were men who were rejected from the priesthood. You know, I didn't know a lot about how the Jewish faith works, but you know, you're groomed to be a rabbi. You're groomed to be used in the priesthood. And so, if you're not, you end up being a tax collector. You end up being a fisherman or whatever. And so, these were the ones that Jesus went after. He went after the ones who were, I guess, rejected from society. Mm -hmm. And he wants to show that it's not about your gift. It's not about your mistakes. It's not about where you've been. He can take anybody and transform them into the vessel that he wants them to be. And that's the power of God. That's the power of the supernatural. That mm -hmm. if people really understood that, see what happens a lot of times is that we reject ourselves. You know, even when Moses, when, when God asked Moses to, to be the deliverer, what first thing he said, I'm not eloquent. I can't speak. I can't, you know. And so we, we see this all the time. You know, whenever God calls somebody, they look at all the reasons why. When he called me, sure. I had not been to Bible college. I had not been, I didn't graduate from college. You know, right. I, I, I was a sinner. I mean, I didn't get saved until I was 30, 30 34. Being in the service six years, so you can imagine my life was nowhere near what God was pleased with. And so all these things were against me in my mind. But God didn't look at that because when I gave my life to him, he, he threw all that to the side in the sea of forgiveness. And so he saw me as a new person. And, but the problem we have, Dr. Lewis, is that many times we, we are the hardest on ourselves. Yeah, we, we remember what we've done. We remember all the things we did wrong. And so yes. we just can't believe that a God can love us like he does. You know, sure. there's, there's a young lady at our church. I always tell the story. She mm -hmm. came to our church and her self-esteem was so low mm -hmm. that she couldn't even look you in the eye when she talks to you. Um, mm -hmm. When you talk to her, she would look down. Right. And now and now she's one of our ministers. Now she's she's winning people to the Lord. She has a life group. You know, she's a total different person because God had to transform her. But because of our love we showed her and because we kept telling her that she's a child of God, that God, she was a fearfully and wonderfully made, you know, God doesn't create any junk, you know. And so we had to really build her, build her up. And the spirit built her up, really. We just guided her. You know, the word of God built her up. And now I tell people all the time, it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what you've done. God wants to use you. Because there's people that I can reach, Dr. Lewis, that you cannot reach. You right. Sure. And if everybody understood that, then we can understand that every person has a has a a, um, a community of people that they're responsible for. 
Right, exactly. And I can't reach the people that my son can reach. I, I can't reach the people my daughter can reach. But vice versa, they can't reach the ones that I know. So right. if everybody was to understand that God created us to be used for him, for his purpose, we would see our lives totally different, you know. And so he doesn't, he takes, he takes junks and make, makes, like I say, takes lemon, make lemonade out of it. <laughs> sure. One of the notes on the cover um, before we close is just the, the power of marriage. And 38 years is no um, small feat or, or easy accomplishment. What are just sort of a couple of the pearls that you feel um, others that are not quite as far along in their marriage and, and those yeah. that are contemplating marriage could really um, learn or that you feel are pearls that they could use uh, as wisdom to make it through the journey. Yeah, yeah. You know, first of all, I want people to understand if you're married out there, if you think about getting married, uh, it's an important decision, first of all. Don't take it lightly. Don't just jump in it because you you think you're going to find yourself or you need companionship. Make sure that you're marrying it for the right reasons. And, and once you are married, you have to understand that divorce is not an option. Too many people going to marriage nowadays with thinking like, it's like buying a used car. You know, if I don't like it, I'll trade it in for something else. No, God hates divorce. And so we have to understand that when you marry somebody, you're marrying your partner for life. You're marrying somebody that you want to spend the rest of your life with. And when people see that sometimes, they'll think a little quick, oh, do I really want <laughs> <laughs> Do an inventory again. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking at it just from the, from the external, Sure. You 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 you're not getting all of it because it's really the internal that really makes the person. You know what I'm saying? And so I think premarital, like I said before, it it gives us a chance to really dig deep into relationships to find out if you really are compatible. Okay, now after you get married, for us, it's been the Lord. It's been God who has kept us together. But at the same time, it was His Word that we were able to grab hold to. And understand the meaning of a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife and they become one flesh. Then Bible says they were naked and unashamed. So the four laws of love that I've learned from Jimmy Evans is first off, we have to have priority. Mm -hmm. Priority means that we don't love our parents less, but we love we don't love we don't, we don't hate them. We have to love your wife or your husband greater. Right. So it says leave your father and mother, cleave to your wife. So that means priority. The second question we have to ask ourselves to pursue. You know, we all understand pursuit when we're dating, but after right. we get married, all of a sudden we want to we want to take take our foot off the gas. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, I got her now. Well, I got him now. No, we have to continue to pursue. I tell people all the time: when you're driving your car, if you take your foot off the gas, eventually you're gonna stop. Right. So to keep going, you got to keep your foot on the gas. Right. So that. you gotta you gotta have priority. You got to have pursuit. Then you got to have a partnership. He said they became one partnership. And then the last one, the last P is purity. He said they were naked and unashamed. There's mm -hmm. just nothing that I can, I want to hide from my wife. Mm -hmm. She can see all, she, she can read my emails. She can, she can, she can get on my phone, you know, um, vice versa. We don't have any secrets. We don't have anything that we are ashamed of because Bible said they were naked and unashamed. Um, so if, if, if couples can remember those four P's, priority, pursuit, partnership, and purity, 
they will have a marriage because those are the called the four laws of love. And that's what keeps you together. It's that love that continues to burn, even though you've been married 30 years or 40 years, we're closer now than we've ever been. You know, why? Because we know each other better. I know what makes her happy. She know what makes me happy. I know what makes her angry. <laughs> she know what makes, you know what I'm saying? So the Bible says, deal with, deal with your spouse according to knowledge. In other words, you're supposed to know that person, knows what they like, know what they don't like, uh, so, so that you can live in harmony together. I tell people all the time, your wife and your husband is not your enemy, you know? Right. Sorry. And sometimes we want to we want to treat them like they're the enemy, but they're not. You know, you guys are on the same team. Right. Look at a basketball team. If one of the players is not playing right, what the other four are gonna say? Oh, you got to go. We got to get somebody who wants to play, who wants to win, right? Right. Exactly. He could be their best friend. Sure. But if they're not playing up to their potential, no, you got to sit down. You know what I'm saying? But we don't do our marriages that way. We think we can just come together and say, "Well, I'm not gonna do my part." Oh, right. okay. No, 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 no. We're going to do this together, you know. So I love teaching uh, couples in marriage. I love to see couples because the enemy, his job is to try to bust us up. Exactly. And right. God's purpose is to keep it together. So anytime, anything that comes into your marriage, I tell couples, I don't care if your mom, your dad, your brother, anybody that comes in to try to do this, right. tell them, see yeah. ya. <laughs> you know, <No. laughs> see ya. Because if they're not keeping you guys together, they're causing you guys to break up. And that's not God. That's the enemy. Yeah. Sure. I love it. Well, we've certainly been able to go to church tonight. And this is why we want to have you on, Pastor Love. I don't think we could talk about love. I mean, it's in your name. It's in the work that you've done. It's in your relationship. It's in your very essence. And now you feel very comfortable, clearly, being able to not only help people um, understand this, but also yeah. usher people through the process because yeah. it's easy for people to think that they get it. But I feel yeah. like you sort of explained um, with these forms of really understanding love that it has layers and this is stuff that has to be yeah. developed and understood over time and nurtured and um I am so appreciative that you're willing to. I'm going to say this to Dr. Yeah. Lewis. I think it's important to hear, for them to hear too, is that yes. marriage doesn't mean that you're not going to have challenges. Yes. Um, offense comes after everybody, you know, and, and, but the Bible tells us how to deal with offense. And many times when offense comes in marriages, we let the offense break us down instead of building us up, you know? And um, yeah. one of the things you have to understand is that, um, when you go, when you have, when you when you have an offense, it's almost like a fork in the road. You know, you can eat, you can eat. It's an open ended where it's, it's you just walk away from it, right. or you can close the loop. You know, and we and we talk about this in in premarital about offense and how to uh, get to forgiveness quickly and how to say I'm sorry and how to say Will you forgive me. And those words are difficult for people to say sometimes. Yes. But when you realize that you want to get this back together quickly, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't take you that long to say that. Right. But sometimes we want to be right. Exactly right. Ego getting like, away. Yeah, you you can win but lose. You know what I'm right. saying? Mm -hmm. So what's more important, winning or bringing a relationship back together? And right. I think if couples will stop trying to always want to win their own arguments or what they want instead of saying what's most important for us 
then forgiveness will be easier to, to come by. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I just want to make sure we understand that because I don't think people, because they look at my wife and I, oh, you know, you guys are married. This is so great. I said, I said, we have our moments, you know, we have our days. And so, but we know how to, we know how to get back together. Right. We know how to forgive and let go and, 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 and say, I'm sorry and, and, and come back together again. Um, so that the enemy can't tempt us in that area. You know what I'm saying? Sure. So I think that's important for couples to understand that just because you have the disagreements, don't let it destroy your marriage. Just use it as an opportunity to learn and to grow and to uh, humble yourself and uh, sometimes even let go of what you want and what's better for us and what's better for me, you know? Right. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much. I mean, this has not yeah. really been so inspirational, but so important. I consider it to be foundational. <laughs> why we want to spend time talking with you. I just don't feel like we can highlight the importance of marriage, the importance of family, and the importance of true love. I mean, it's, as I said, not only your very essence, it's your name, your entire name. Mm -hmm. I uh, tell people all the time, I said, I could be mean for the name like love. Exactly. No, absolutely. Um, give a shameless plug for uh, Nashville Light and uh, tell us uh, the website. And I know um, that you are, as you stated, the founding pastor, and now your your son is the pastor. Yes, yes, yeah. I'm telling you, if you're in the Nashville area, matter of fact, we're streaming our services, so you can go to our Nashville Life podcast. You can go on that website. Uh, we have two services on Sunday. We have a, a 9 o'clock and a 11.15, which is Central Time. Mm -hmm. um, like I said before, we are in a new location. Uh, the address is 2639 Nolensville Pike in Nashville. Uh, it's, it's about uh, a couple miles from downtown uh, Nashville. And it's a great church. It's a wonderful church. We, uh, when people come to our church, we hear comments like, I feel like I belong here. I feel family here. I feel community here. I feel a lot of love here. And those are the things that we strive for. So it makes me feel good when people say that because that's what we strive for. We strive for that. And we want everybody to feel welcome, you know. <clears throat> so if you're in the area looking for a great church, Nashville Life is the church you want to be at. Yeah. Amen. Amen again. Thank you so much for the wisdom. And um, again, this is why I wanted to be able to talk to you. And um, I'm so appreciative that we worked through our technical snafus and um, <laughs> yeah. a, a message and a word, um, yeah. several keywords that we can always um, try to remember for yeah. our relationships to really uh, perfect them and uh, make them more, more personal and, and also include the Lord. So thank Absolutely. you so much. Love. Absolutely. God, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. All the best. I promise you. Thank you. All right.